It's all about the guitar tone. Tonight we welcome Gabe Katz, Brian Kincaid, and Jamie Wass, collectively known as Hoarders, to the stage at the Phoenix Theater. All three are well-known in the Sonoma County indie music scene and beyond from work in multiple bands over the last 15 years. We'll be talking with them for a bit tonight, and then they'll be playing us a few songs. Welcome to the show, guys. Welcome. Thank you, Tim and John. It's good to be here. Thank you. (laughs) Coma Lilies was a band you guys had like 10 years ago. Very, very well known in Sonoma County. And Jamie, you weren't in that band. I was not in that band. What were Thank you, what God. were you doing at that time? <laughs> uh, at that time, I was playing in Our a group man. called Pray for Mojo with Pray Ethan Jane uh, from Own. And uh, I, I was just playing music with him for that whole time. And they were doing their thing. The music of Coma Lilies is very similar, I would say to just like the casual observer, to the music you guys are playing now. Instrumental rock, epic, kind of psychedelic, right? Would you agree with that statement? There's some similarities. Yeah. Yes. Sure. So, broad stroke similar. There's some similarities, absolutely. I Death feel like gym. we're a little more grunge-oriented, but yeah. A little less like... In hoarders, no, a little more like... Oh, okay, you got yeah, that. You picked yeah, that. <laughs> Do you feel... That uh, psychedelics have played a large role in your guys' growth as songwriters. Absolutely. Definitely. Do you feel that it's played a large uh, role in your growth as people? Absolutely. Of course. Yep. (laughs) Would you like to go in? Maybe you're talking to somebody who's never done psychedelics before, and they're like, I can't possibly even fathom that. Could you put into words a little bit? Or is it, it, uh, are you unable to? Hmm. Steve Jobs, of course, uh, is a really famous example of uh, a guy who a lot of people point to. It's like, well, he said that it was one of the most important experiences of his entire life doing it. But you hear that all the time. I mean, people have these uh, revelatory experiences, and mm. your music really kind of lends itself to that. Yeah. I, um, me, personally, I've experimented, quote-unquote, uh, with psychedelics since I was 13. And they were hugely beneficial and healing and very connecting for me i'm not the kind of person that would be like everyone should do psychedelic drugs but everyone should do psychedelic drugs if they want to because they're fantastic and i think it brought us all together as friends i mean we met when we were little kids we've been we met at music camp when we were 10 so we weren't we weren't doing the drugs (laughs) quite that yeah, young? Not for another two or three years. <laughs> yeah. It's possible your counselors were, though. So sure, getting well, definitely, they definitely, definitely were. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. Um, but, yeah, they, I think they helped us overcome a lot of angst and confusion and um, isolation we may have felt, being already weird, sensitive, artsy-type kids. And it kind of... I mean, music certainly helped us have a place to go, so to speak. But definitely, um, not saying that we needed those drugs. My mother would probably say that I was weird anyway, and that's why I went in that direction. In fact, she has said that very thing, um, which is sort of comforting. But we were sort of those kind of people anyway. But it definitely, um, yeah, had a positive effect on on our lives, and certainly huge influence on our music writing and the way we see the world, I think. Yeah, for me, I would say psychedelics had a big influence on how I see myself playing music, um, why I do it, you know? What do you mean? You know, not doing it for anyone else. Uh, Trying to make music that does kind of put you on a journey or hopefully brings up emotions and which psychedelics heavily do you know and actually on that same journey uh, again uh, the same theme of the journey uh, without vocals it allows the listener again to almost embark on the same journey or at least some style of a journey they're not being held down by what the gist of the song might be according to the vocals according to the words but allowed to move with your music and uh yeah i think journey is an appropriate word to use for you guys if you were asking me, you asked me earlier, where would, what would I think about their music? I think that's that's the word. Uh, you can journey with these guys. You can kind of let your mind flow in and out and ebb and flow with this stuff. And and, uh, yeah, and it's a good journey. 
so y- you'd mentioned that it helped guide the experience with psychedelics helped guide you through like emotional things when you were younger. Do you feel like it helped you like connect dots emotionally and uh, like make connections and exist better? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I do. Absolutely. And I think that it helped us maybe to be like sort of vulnerable around each other at a young age, which I think is a, a huge deal. I mean, for yeah, young absolutely. boys, it's sort of not comfortable territory to be like, do you feel this yeah. intense weight and heaviness and disappointment and total crazy nebulous confusion that is being? And to say that to someone when you're a teenager and have them listen. And then to find out that they do, in fact, feel yeah, this way. We all can communicate in such a way and understand each other. Do you not feel that anymore? I absolutely do. And I don't really, um, at least for now, I, I don't really experiment with drugs anymore. Certainly as much as I used to when I was uh, younger. But I do very much feel that. But I have a sort of better positive relationship with it, maybe. You know, a little more acceptance generally. And I think that that... What, where I was going with that is that our connection as friends and people and music, heterosexual life partners, um, that grew very strong in those experiences. And I think that's, I would definitely um, credit our vulnerable psychedelic drug experimentation um, to that. And I think it's possible to get there without them, but it was like a nice, it's almost like a little push maybe a little push or a veil being opened to a, a reminder that we can we can feel that way mm-hmm. but i certainly feel certainly feel very connected to these people anyway and again we met when we were little kids and in very i think vulnerable situations i can remember meeting both these people in very interesting mm-hmm. vulnerable situations so we were already kind of bonded anyway so i think perhaps that gave us the courage to yeah step forward and do the psychedelic next step together perhaps when you say what you just said uh vulnerable situations is that like private things or just like the just the nature of being a young teenager oh you want origin stories <laughs> well whatever you want to share all encompassing i love it um okay i met brian when i was seven and i just moved from los angeles to occidental which is a pretty big culture shock i think and um i had no friends yet and i i was sitting on the stairs before class and i was really scared and this boy came up to me and he said hi i'm brian do you want to be friends (laughs) and i said yes i do and i was like yes i have a friend and then like bell rang and we were like enemies for the next like three years pretty much (laughs) like we would see each other in the playground and be like fuck you Uh, but fast forward to seventh grade i went to a new school in sebastopol and i had sort of the similar feeling the first day of school and i went to math class and right next to me was brian this my old enemy from school and we were just like it's your first day and we were like yeah and we were like Okay, we're best friends. And we got separated and <laughs> like kicked the, out of class. The second day of like, class. Yeah, yeah, I think it was day one, like period Maybe, one. Yeah. Miss, Miss Lance's math <laughs> class. And we were pretty Shout much, out to Miss Lance. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, peace. Um, and that was my experience with Brian. And we've been best friends pretty much since. And we played music together right away. Great story. Okay. Now, when I was 10, I met Jamie at a music camp. Um, and the way I met Jamie, and this is how I remember, I'm not sure if this is really true, Jamie, but um, a certain person that we won't name was bullying Jamie, and Jamie was small, and I sort of felt for the first time in my life this um, part of me come out that was super protective, and I sort of was like, hey, stop fucking with this kid, get away from him, sort of that kind of vibe. Heart is racing. Guardian angel. Yeah, my heart was totally racing, and I had no idea, and I was like, this is my friend and I'm going to protect him from this bully. And I was just like, I'm not down with the way things are going here. It's got to stop right now. And that was Jamie. That was me. And me. And then we became music camp buddies and we've been friends ever since. I'd like to play a game. You ready? Yes. Jenga. You guys have, I would say, what? You, you think You think <laughs> dozens of bands that you've been part of? Or I mean, pretty close to like two dozen 
Yeah, I'm in half a dozen right now. You're in half a dozen right <laughs> yeah. now. Okay, let's play a game. Yay. Let's go through and let's just like talk for a second about each one and, and go from there. Uh, we talked about the coma lilies, but you had some like really fun little side projects around the time of the coma lilies. And uh, so one of them, which I really liked a lot, people may not recall, but four letter word. Cunt. <laughs> no. Shart. Five. Fuck. <laughs> No. Oh, are you talking about mine and Brian's project? Shit. <laughs> uh, shat. Oh, there's that one. I forgot letters. about shat. <laughs> Not. So shat, shat, was a, shat came about around the same time, right? Sure, maybe. It came around when we were recording the Coma Lilies album. <laughs> I believe. <laughs> Hold up. The knot that Brian just dropped was so fucking tight. <laughs> it was so tight. So uh, just as a reminder, we are talking about all the various projects you guys have had. Got it. Shat being one of them. They have played on this very stage. <laughs> a few oh, times. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do, you, do you recall that at all? I do recall. You do recall it. Okay. Yeah, and I th- actually, I think I made it onto the marquee with that one time, too. As nice. I wish I had to picture that. Yeah. Me too. Tell, tell the audience who don't know Shat, what is Shat? Whoa. Well... <laughs> I'm going to get emotional on this one. <laughs> this. All right, that's what we're here for. Okay, where do we start? Back in the day, our dear friends that were also in OWN and The Iditarod, let's go ahead and say our dear friends that were in a great band we loved called The Iditarod. Yeah, great band. One of my favorite local bands yeah. of all time. They had a house called Boys Club in Santa Rosa where we used to hang out a lot and we would party there a lot and um, Brian and I would go there a lot and somehow we were joking around about... Me and you were... Everyone was off jerking off in the woods and me and you <laughs> literally or is that just a favorite no, when you say everyone in the, everyone <laughs> in the, everyone at band practice and the coma lilies, oh, coma lilies ditched us or whatever they were jerking off in the woods and me and you started jamming and making some shit uh, and it was actually shat oh actually and I was on guitar no you see I, I, maybe I'll backpedal a little bit because I remember being on coma lilies tour and this is where shat came from Brian said hey Gabe Look at the clouds. And he pointed. That's and, right. And just then he hit me in the nose and he said, look at the clouds. Oh, shit, your nose, dude. I didn't mean to do it. And I was like, man, it's great lyrics for a song, dude. You know? And then we started making this band called Chat. And we were like, let's just make a metal band called Chat. And then it was sort of me, Gabe, um, Brian, and Hunter from Coma Lily's fame. And uh, we had Max and Guy from the Iditarod on vocals and we also had another vocalist oh, yeah. named Christian Velasquez. And the way we got him is a really great story as well because he used to ride around this tiny BMX bike all over Sonoma County with headphones on and he would scream like, <laughs> He'd be listening to Pantera yeah, or whatever. Like, motherfucker. And we were like, dude, you know yes. what we need to do is get that guy on the bike to be our singer. And Brian once... <laughs> Did you know him prior to this? No. No. I didn't. Ah. Oh, Brian knew him from high Sorry. school. I knew him a little from high school. He's just the, he's the metal, goth, short, little, awesome, muscly kid. kid. Yeah. yeah. In, from an with, outside perspective, with one he was... glove. Yeah, he was pretty intimidating. And Brian ran after him on his bike one day. Blocks, too. Blocks. And got him and waved him down and was like, hey, will you sing in our band? And he was like, Yes. <laughs> and he showed up to practice at Boys Club. The next day. The next day. Three singers. Plus, we all did backup, so we had six singers. <laughs> Definitely my favorite band I've ever been in. I miss it every day. And that was Shat. And we recorded a, a record at Grizzly as well. It's called Shatter Day. Shatter <laughs> um, About 30 songs on there. And Something like that, yeah. Could you give us a sampling of the lyrics in a Shat song? Eat my shit, eat my shit, eat my shit. Yeah, that's my that's dad's one. favorite one. Okay. <laughs> that's a, that's a classic. That. The first song I think we ever wrote besides Look at the Clouds was one that went, You motherfuckers, eat our shit, suck our dicks, you motherfuckers. <laughs> song sort of like that. It repeats. Yeah. Um, we also have about, I mean, I have little notebooks full of shat poetry, I call it, and we have albums worth of material written. Absolutely. We have an album called Shatterday Night fever that we wanted to record for years and we still haven't got around to it hopefully we will but with that with with that new the music you know that we wrote after 2006 with the six piece we actually formed it's pretty much a trio now and it's actually called shat trio that's true and yeah. it's actually to this day exists we've done it kind of we've done it as a six piece five piece a four piece a three piece and even a two piece 
and a one person. <laughs> <laughs> one time. <laughs> we, had, we had Chat Duo, which was Hunter and I. And then, shamefully, I actually did a show called Chat Mono in Portland, Oregon by myself once. Wow. That was easily one of the worst shows I've ever played. They booted him out of Portland. Were you on drums? I was on drums and vocals he alone. Was... And I actually programmed a bunch of like MIDI <laughs> songs uh, on Ableton Live the day of the show. And it was a good experience, but some people said it was really great that were there, and I think it was really shitty. Where did you play it in Portland? Uh, at a place called The No Bar. The No, the no. yes. Yeah, great that, club. That was actually the beginning of Hoarders. Gabe and I were just playing as a two-piece called Gamey. I was supposed to be playing that show with him, but I couldn't get work off, so he's like, fuck it, I'll just, I'll just do Shat Mono for a show. And then I saw him afterwards, he came to my work, and he was like traumatized. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so was the audience. But well, this is interesting to me because it already is an ironic project, or isn't, however you want to describe it. I don't want to pull back I'm the a curtain believer. too much. <laughs> <laughs> but how bad was it that it made you feel that emotion? Well, firstly, I hate canceling shows at the last minute. It's something I will almost never do, except for with Shat. I'll tell you a funny story about that in a second. Um, <laughs> I'll tell it to you right now. One time, there is this, there's this like booking company, production company in Portland that's like a total scam. It's one of those like, hey, you get to play at a cool venue. All you have to do is sell like 100 tickets that are like 15 bucks. And somehow Hunter uh, signed Chat Duo up for this thing. And we we're going to play this like metal show. And... It came down, he was like, you guys got to sell a bunch of tickets. And we were like, well, fuck you. We're not going to do that. And then <laughs> it came down to the day of the show and Hunter was like, dude, we're supposed to play tonight and we haven't sold any tickets. And we were like, well, let's just stage a little breakup. So I wrote to the promoter and I was like, look, dude, I'm really sorry. You know, chat broke up and... I fucking hate Hunter. Hunter is just a piece of shit. I fucking hope I never see that motherfucker again. Just like long list of profanities. And then at like the same time, Hunter sent like a pretty much identical email about me. Like, really sorry. Fucking hate Gabe. He's the worst. And we just never showed up. And that guy still fucking writes to me all the time. Like, hey, I'd love to get chat on on a bill. (laughs) Anyway, that's the only time I've ever canceled a show or just not done one, I think. That and the... A Satanist six six six. That's right. Party that Comalies was scared to play once. <laughs> on, well, what uh, is that all about? It was June sixth, two thousand and six. Six six six. It was on top of a mountain. They were roasting a goat. Yeah, they killed a goat and roasted it under the ground. And they wanted us to play in this like pen that was for bulls or something. And uh, Michael, our guitar player, told them that someone in his family died, and we left. They said, "Bring the cadaver. Let's do this." So, <laughs> so you were there. We went to the top yeah, of the we mountain. Yeah, we were there and freaked out. We're like, let's fucking go. Yeah, it was so that. Those are the two shows. <laughs> so back to the Shat Mono Gamey experience. Gamey was a band that Jamie and I had that was, Brian was living here in California and Jamie and I were living in Portland, Oregon. And so we played as a two-piece for a whole summer and we called it Gamey. Gabe and Jamie. Get it? Oh, I get it. Um, <laughs> and we played all the songs. We only played about three songs, but we still play those three songs with Hoarders now. And... um we had a lot of shows that summer, and Jamie's work just wouldn't fucking let him off for this one show, and I didn't want to cancel it, because I felt bad about canceling shows, so I was like, I'll just do it, and I spent all day like programming these tunes that I was going to do. At first, I was going to do this project that I called Acid Cop, where I um, put on the <laughs> Freddy Krueger Nightmare on Elm Street soundtrack, and I just like shred metal drums over it, but then I got sort of nervous about that, and so I was like... This was like 3 p.m. I was like, no, Acid Cop's not going to work, dude. I got to fucking do Shat Mono. So I was like programming songs and like I fucking, you know, like up to like an hour before the show, I was writing the songs and then like put them on my iPod and like carried my stuff to the venue and walked there and set up and just did this show that I was just very um, ill-equipped for, feeling very inadequate. Um, And it was just very traumatizing because I was not prepared and it was a total shit show. <laughs> total shat show. Um, it just was a bad idea and there were about only seven or eight people in the audience and they were pretty happy about it and they paid me and I got a cheeseburger and it was like, I felt very accomplished having not, you know, flaked and stuff. Um, but needless to say, it was a horrible, I mean, I was really sort of, I've never played by myself ever. So... 
It's very vulnerable and scary and just mm, not the version of myself I wanted to be sharing with an audience. So that's when I went to Jamie's work and was very traumatized. <laughs> oh, no. I said him right, though. Okay. So we did those two. And now we have a project that you were all in together. My Dad's. Mm. What oh, is yeah. the origin story of My Dad's? Uh, well, on the last The Coma Lilies tour, we had a very serious breakup. And Could we talk about that? Yeah, if you want to. What, how, how bad was it? <laughs> Tom loves band breakup stories. You did, did it happen in Nebraska? What do you mean? <laughs> there's, there's a lot of elements, actually, that are probably um, not appropriate to talk about. Absolutely. But I'll go ahead and talk about all the ones that are appropriate and see if that paints a good enough picture. Um, we were on, we had a three-month tour booked, which everyone was like, if you go on a three-month tour, you're going to break up. And we were like, nah, we're best friends. <laughs> People get very vulnerable on tour. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like that, but if when you're trapped in a van with four other boys and you know you're going to be in there for three months and you're vulnerable and you're driving every day and it's like hot and it's like cold, it just gets gets intense and it's sort of a certain part of you, a sort of survival mechanism comes out and that personality is awakened on tour and i think some people really love it and some people really hate it and you can be an artist and you can be a performer and you can love to play music and you can hate touring and it's it's like the biggest breakup i've ever been through with you know it's like a it's a crazy thing breaking up with a band is like it's fucking emotional it's like a breaking up with five girlfriends at the same time so it's very Was that the end of the band or did you guys continue that was the end of the Coma Lilies as a band, absolutely. And we, so the one member flew home and the rest of us drove home and we formed my dad's in the car. Talking. And we were like, we still want to play music together. We're still best friends. We still have fun on tour. We still, you know, we want to make music together. And then one other question about my dad's, uh, where does the name come from? Um, <laughs> our great. dear friend, Noah DeVore, he had a project called Keyboard, where he played the keyboard. He was one of our favorite he artists. He played here. He played yeah. here, yeah. yeah. He's amazing. And we love him. And he always said, hey, my dads, like instead of my friend or or yeah. homie, or oh, he would just dad. say, what's up, my dad? Hey. Only, only us, though. No, no other group of friends was my dads to him. It was just... I'm not so sure that's true, Brian. Oh, really? Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, <laughs> but anyway... Here I thought you guys were, like, leading the charge on same-sex marriage. You know, mm-hmm. I thought this was just going to be this, like, message. Okay. We like, are. This is my that mom and dad. Is These that, are my dads. Too. We're absolutely pro-gay marriage, I'll just go ahead and say. Yeah. All six of us were. Yeah. yeah. All. Absolutely. Um, and they're also not necessarily just into monogamous marriages. Right. Whatever you want to do, they're fine with. But I also will say that I always sort of saw um, us, as we were getting older... In Coma Lily's last days, we were all sort of becoming like our dads. And that was sort of a bigger, deeper meaning for the band for me, where the clashes we were having, it was because of us becoming men and sort of fundamentally really disagreeing on stuff. And it wasn't that we didn't love each other, but that it was just that the kind of people we were becoming weren't compatible anymore. And that was really heartbreaking, but our dads didn't all get along and so for me that was sort of a cool like funny band name that was really special and serious to me and i think that the other dudes would agree that yeah absolutely that kind of came yeah. with it so i always like to have a little double meaning going on <laughs> where um people maybe don't get it and it doesn't really matter um i thought that the my dad's was not received very well <laughs> by public and it was interesting because to us it was very much just the next step it was like the first song i wrote for my dad's was the song i was writing for the coma lilies and so on we were sort of really sort of just going forward and we were maybe i was a little underwhelmed with the reception perhaps um people didn't get it and it wasn't i had just years of people saying like I wish you were still playing music, man. And whatever happened to the Coma Lilies, man? And I'm like, wow, this is so fucked up. <laughs> um, it was weird. I mean, and I loved it. I, I, looking back, it's actually one of the projects that I can listen to and be very proud of. I, the music is is very 
a lot of um, conflict you can really hear it, and I could see that being something people didn't maybe enjoy. I mean, we were all very heartbroken and very confused and dealing with a, an array of emotions and with growing up and all having been through this very serious breakup. A lot of us didn't know if we wanted to continue musically or how serious to take music, and some of us have definitely gone different directions as far as um, full dedication to doing music or doing music as a as a more of a hobby and doing other things more of as a as a career and whatever it's something we talk about a lot i mean you've lost like musical brothers to college to family to this to that and also your fans knew who the coma lilies were but that was seven years of being around here don't mm-hmm. you think that some of them kind of like grew up and stopped going to local shows as much and just kind of didn't oh yeah have the energy Absolutely. in them to get mm-hmm. into a new band even if it was like very similar to the other thing. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, that has a huge thing to do with it. I think we had a... Comalese was a high school band, and we all went to different high schools, so we had sort of a a pretty loyal following from different schools. It was sort of cool, and they all went to college, and, and they tell their friends, and they tell their friends, and that was very cool. I don't, I don't think that people were like, fuck you, or anything about <laughs> no, my dad. they just were busy uh, doing other things. Yeah, it just yeah. didn't have the same... Um, it's hard for people to be vulnerable to music as they get older, I think. And that, yeah, absolutely. I think what you're saying is, is very um, poignant. Why can't we all stay young and cool our entire lives, Gabe Katz? I don't know. Tom Gaffey, why can't we all stay young and cool our entire lives? Oh, no, I'm surrounded with it, and <laughs> cool gets really boring after a while. Yeah, right on, man. <laughs> you know? Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> Uh, anyway, I like I like the I like the music we made with that band, and I think it's cool. And yeah, it was looking back, I can't I can't imagine learning music that way anymore. It was so complex, and we all composed these pieces and um, made ourselves very vulnerable to each other by sharing them with each other. And we worked really hard to learn each other's songs, mm-hmm. whether or not we got each other's music. I I remember Brian and I had a lot of. A little bit of dissonance as far as understanding each other's writing styles back then. Mm-hmm. It was a huge, totally. huge um, growing opportunity for our friendship to really get each other's tunes. And um, we all wrote. It was a very collaborative effort too. Like it was, that was a huge part of it. We all got to write, and we all got a voice. And it was, there was no leader at all, and there was no major ego. I mean, well. <laughs> There was, always, <laughs> there was one. I mean, <laughs> but I don't there, want to brag. There was an awful lot of id. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It was, a, it was a very emotional project for all of us. Yeah, to it say one, the least. Is, I think for everybody, it was like the biggest one. Is the biggest musical and relationship learning I've ever had. I think. And we we lived in the house together, all of us, except for one member. Isn't that a fascinating statement, though? Because you've all presumably had relationships with, like, a, in a romantic sense, mm-hmm. but you feel that this not relationship with, with your band—no, oh. <laughs> you're not owned. Uh, you, you feel that your relationship with the, with True. these bandmates uh, has informed you more in terms of relationships than with uh, like romantic partners. I, I think so. You know, and communication and um, listening is. I think we learned how to listen to each other so much into that in that experience, and to really validate validate each other. You know, yeah, it's it's crazy amount of open communication that's necessary, and there's there's a lot of walls that need to be pushed down. Yeah, yeah, and, and not and learning how to not react to just and just allow the person to say what they need to and how they feel truthfully and because if they don't say it it's gonna fester and it's gonna it's, get worse and then yeah. it just comes and, in the music and, and that happened sometimes yeah i'd say that maybe if there was one the biggest lesson that i learned in that experience was um honoring the individuals in the group you know I, I, like we I, I think so too i we all had shit going on people were in college people were doing we were growing up and going in different directions sometimes we all had personal stuff we needed to do and it was like if we didn't honor that and allow each other to do that then it wouldn't work having the band so it was a lot of patience we needed to have for one another and knowing that a triumph for an individual is in turn a triumph for the group so I myself had a girlfriend that lived in another state and I was back and forth all the time and I know that was super (coughs) frustrating and challenging for the group and the group was really supportive that even though looking back that was pretty crazy um but we all had stuff like that we all had big stuff going on and 
it took a lot of patience to figure out how to maintain a band with six people and all. Yeah, the communication was key and we had lots of breakdowns and never fights, but it was a very emotional household of constant. When we had band practice, we could rock out after breakfast, you know, we ha- we recorded all our music at home. Jamie engineered it and mixed it. It was, um, I mean, we were very DIY situation. We were doing it and it was like, uh, it was such a cool experience, but it also then became apparent that some of us wanted to do music more than some of us did maybe, or at least the, the direction we wanted to go was a little bit different. And as people's lives... That's a lot of people trying to, to focus in the same direction. Six is a, is a large band. And, yeah. you're, and we're talking about a group of people that are re- really intelligent people, too. Absolutely. This, not myself, me, not but, me, yeah. but some of the people in the group, and they, they have a lot of talents, not just music. I pretty much play the bass. That's all I do. I'm a nice person, and I play the bass. And I'm also kind of an asshole. So, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> you, and me, you and me both, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, for me, I just want to play music. I don't really have any other drive. But we did have some people in the band that were smart and talented at uh, uh, many things. There's just a lot of different people had pri- their priorities in different places. Yeah, multi-talented would be the way I would yeah. describe the, yeah. the other people that aren't at this table with us. I don't know how to describe these two. <laughs> but um, <laughs> no, these two included are multi-talented and we all have passions and things we wanted to do. And even with Hoarders, it's a, a challenge to maintain um, what we are doing. Certainly simpler with three yeah. than with six. But You know, <clears throat> so... <clears throat> We're having a good time here, and there's a lot of humor flowing around the table. But uh, one of the things I recalled about the Coma Lilies, you guys were all serious players. You were a serious band, and it required an amount of serious listening, really. And I think that's why a lot of your fans really dug what you were doing, because it wasn't just a it wasn't just something to pass off. It was something you needed to pay attention to. And actually, that is the same space with the hoarders. I think you can flow in and out with you guys, but if you pay attention to what's happening, it does make the experience a little more powerful. And uh, you guys are serious players. I saw this with coma lilies, and I don't know if it applies with hoarders at all, but I used a phrase earlier, uh, letting the perfect be the enemy of the good. Do you feel like that's been a problem ever in your musical careers where you're like, you're making something really great, but you feel like it could keep getting better. It could keep getting better. We're not ready to release it. We're not ready to tour. We're not ready to finish this album because this can get this much better if we work on it this much more. But at a certain point, you just kind of got to release the art and, and move on to the next thing. Does that resonate at all? That resonates yeah. very deeply with me. Perfectly. And it has taken me forever to learn that lesson, I think, all of us. I mean, Hoarders has been working on a record for about two years now. And I think it hit a point where it was like, fuck, now it has to be good. Now we have to like make it great before we release it. Other, You know what I mean? It's or, Otherwise, we've made, not wasted. It's not the right word but the first word to come to mind like wasted this energy and this time i definitely think that we want to record things quicker now and sketch things different produce them a lot faster we're we're ready (laughs) we're learning that a lot and yes with coma lilies i mean we uh we worked for years on a record that had basically two songs on it and it was just like people like it and that's really great and i I don't have any regrets about it but i'm i'm way more into like getting these ideas and emotions and lessons out put a little bit faster because we have a, like you know a ton of projects and a ton of ideas and it's just sort of more rewarding to just yeah like you said release some shit and move on and not dwell too much um well yeah because you could spend five years making an album or right. you could spend two years making the same album is that extra three years really going to make it that much better at a certain point it's like diminishing returns so. um yeah. And back to the um, the seriousness thing, I think we've reached a um, an understanding about having a really fucking good time and doing something that you love and being serious about it is very possible. And we're, yeah, we're very serious about our music, but we're holding back our goofs like probably 100% right now. We are always joking and always making each other laugh. I mean, we're best friends cool. and that's... So that was a big lesson for me too. Like it's, you don't have to be serious about your, uh, in the way that you deliver your art. The art itself just has to be serious and it comes from a very serious place. But again, it's, the music is a vaguely about pain and 
struggles and disappointments that we've had and we do transcend it into something that we think is beautiful and hopefully helpful and hopefully healing and when that comes out it's got to be lighthearted. otherwise it's just it's um kind of a bummer and I think that maybe with when we were younger there was more of an emphasis on trying to be serious and trying to be taken seriously and you I know I don't, I don't relate to that at all anymore yeah me neither so that's it's nice to have grown grown through that and grow and I mean again yeah like it's it's open to interpretation but we're having a really good time and if we weren't I think it would maybe be the wrong thing to be doing so cool why so many bands uh, I myself personally I think Brian sort of mentioned this about himself but I don't really not to sell myself short I don't really have a lot of other talents that I um want to pursue I guess it would be a safe way to not beat myself up too much uh, I play drums and make music and that's all I want to do and I've known that since I was a little kid and I've actually sort of realized that more and more as the years have passed um, shaving a lot of doubt about that for a lot of there's a lot of outside influence you'll run into uh, as an artist or a musician of people being like are you sure you want to do this or like what else, what are you going to do if this doesn't work out? Or like, you know, what, don't you want to go to school? Don't you want to have kids? Doubt is essentially what it boils down to. And they're all trying to help. But um, for me, I don't want to do anything else, at least yet. And I'm very dedicated to what I'm doing. And I just want to play music. And being a drummer, I think I'm given sort of a a lot of flexibility because I play in a lot of projects and I don't have to remember notes or whatever. And I, I do play in six projects right now. They're all great. And I get to be, I mean, I get to be in bands with beautiful people and it's just, it's really the coolest thing in the world. And I do personally love touring and I love traveling and I don't mind the uh, transient lifestyle that I've chosen. And it's, it's really great. So um, for me, it's a sort of, to fulfill myself is why I'm in so many bands and you'll be in a band and it, you don't want the drive of wanting to create and wanting to perform to rush the product. You know what I mean? So when one band gets to this point, like say you're in a band and you've played, you're a Petaluma band, you can only play the Phoenix so often. You don't want to oversaturate a a band in any town. You don't want to perform in that town too often. You're, Mostly because you're not writing new songs that often and your fan base or whatever is going to get bored. And Or for something like with what we're dealing with is that we aren't in the same city as the, the band's not together like in the same city, too. Sure. So like, yeah, well, yeah, sure, okay. But um, my point being, a band will be at a certain point in its journey and you don't want to push it. And so, meanwhile, like if you need to take a break or something, when you get to a certain point with your project... I myself personally like to be part of other projects that are at a different point. So that I can, How has your position evolved on, and I'm sure all three of you have dealt with it, uh, people, outsiders, looking at your life, thinking it's uh, comparable to their life and trying to give you life advice? You were mentioning it earlier, and it can kind of be a bummer, right? It can. It can be distracting and confusing. Um. I'm not sure everyone will identify with this experience, but I've been learning to not ignore people, but just not take their views to heart so much. I sort of know what I want and what I want to do. And when I hear doubt from other people, I've been learning to not take it so seriously. It can be really distracting and it's taken me my whole life to figure that out up until about this year. And I'm, um, I'm getting better at it, but yeah, I don't know. I'm, I mean, it is, it is, it's undoubtedly being in playing music for a living is almost a oxymoron at this point. And I don't think people think that they can make money playing music. And I do get asked that all the time. We're like, how are you going to make money? And how much money did you get paid for the gig? And how was the gig? Did you make any money? As if like that would make the gig better. Like, for me, it doesn't, and that's not why I'm doing this. And if I was in this music, like in this uh, field or whatever, to make money, I would be a little bit naive, I think. And that's 
I think that's okay to say. I don't think it's... At this table, it is. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) following your dreams or whatever, it's not going to necessarily get you paid. But if you love what you're doing, then I don't really think it matters. So perhaps having a... Uh, just a sort of flexible definition of success for yourself is really important. And I figure that out. And I'm just like, I think that if someone loves what they're doing and they're surviving, then they are successful. And I think other people may think that if they're making money doing what they're doing, then they're successful. And I don't think that I want to argue with anyone, but at least my definition of success for myself is that I'm happy and I'm healthy and I'm doing what I love. So right now, in my own world, I'm successful, which feels pretty good. Um, but, but it took a while to not have those distractions give you pause or give you an issue of identity. Yeah. Just yeah. Cer- certain words can be discouraging, and they often come from people not trying to generalize or judge who, people who maybe have an idea of what you should do. Mm-hmm. And that is often focused around making money. I mean, I sometimes myself included, like I'm, I'm in a career trying to be successful there. I'm trying to balance my life in that way by playing and, and creating music in a different city from my bandmates. Uh, but it's a little discouraging sometimes if someone set in that mindset comes to you and says, well, what are you doing just playing music? Is this, is this realistic? And it's like, I mean, we we all know that their intentions are all for you know for the best for us, but it's like it can be, I don't know, yeah, discouraging is the best word. Yeah, yeah. It, can, it just sort of slows you down. It's sort of like a not actually very helpful. You know what I mean? You're, they're no, they're, the funny but, thing is, is they're trying to be helpful and they're, right. they they care for you, or else they wouldn't be talking to you. But in fact, they're causing uh, inner turmoil. I find. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it's so common. And I think that like if someone tells you, hey you love what you're doing, but you're not going to make any money. You can be like, okay. But if they're like, you shouldn't be doing it. then you should be like, fuck you. I'm going to do it. Cause I love it. And you don't need to worry about me. And I think that's, that's definitely a choice that an individual needs to make. Just like taking psychedelic drugs, Jim, but to bring it all together. <laughs> but I think it's important to at least believe that you're capable of doing what you love doing and then hope that you'll be recognized and even potentially paid for doing such a thing. And I know that's not a common belief, but I believe it and I'm trying to believe it and I want so very badly to believe it. It's gotten you to this point. If you had to respond to those well-meaning individuals who give you advice, unsolicited advice, as sort of like, you know, drawing the line in the sand and being like, no, 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 this is what drives me as an artist and why what I'm doing is the right thing. What would your answer be? Or what would your statement be? I'd just say, thank you. <laughs> but what drives you? I mean, that's the question. What drives you? I mean, you like playing music. We understand that. You know that that's what you want to do. But what what drives you to have the energy to play in six? But there's a lot of mu- people who love music. I think, thank you. Was pointing. You know what would be a great answer? You tell them, look, here's the deal. <laughs> I'm going to do this until I'm 90. And if it doesn't work by then, I'll just die. Get, yeah, I'll die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, big deal. Then I'll yeah, die. Yeah, <laughs> you know, what could be cooler so, than that, man? Yeah, <laughs> that's um, the way to do it. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's pretty good. What about you guys? I mean, I, I think all of us are nice enough people that we just, in however way we can tell them, uh, we'd say to just res- respect our path and we're doing what we want to well, be how doing. How about this? Fuck them. I'm saying what drives you as artists is what I'm saying. Okay. You know, fuck right. those people. You don't even but, need to respond to them. I'm just okay. saying that. Yeah, but I want to hear Brian, Brian's <laughs> yeah. point here. Yeah. Okay, well, for for me, a big one is that, you know, I believe that life is extremely short and I've had a lot of people die. We all have die in our lives that were close to us. And for me, that's like a really big, like don't fuck around with trying to go do something you don't love to do to do life, do what you love to do. And I actually know what I love to do, which is a blessing to me because I I don't, I think a lot of people don't. And so that right there is just like clear. And plus my dad is like, and my mom was really supportive, but you know, I talked to my dad and he's just like, just play music and get better and do it all the time. 
And that, that's like, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm making my dad happy. That's like, so I'm lucky there. You know, I have like, we all have extremely supportive parents yes, and family yeah. about playing music. And I think we're really lucky to have that. And that helps our perspective. Yeah. At the same time, yeah. I do have family that like are, are, are giving me those questions like, like, what are you going to do with your life? I'm like, what do you mean? I'm doing it right now. I think the three of us can agree that the feeling we get playing music together is it like just answers that question right there. And that's it, true. You know, yeah. these people trying to guide us maybe don't remember that feeling or haven't had that feeling mm-hmm. because if they if they could be in that moment with us, then they wouldn't ask that question. Yeah, absolutely. There's, Word. You know, we can talk about the psychedelics, and, and I've said this a million times. Um, I, I don't think I've ever been higher than a couple moments that I've had playing in front of a crowd. Uh, Me too. You know, and that is just the greatest Absolutely. high in the world. Yeah, I agree. And completely. you want to keep getting it. Yeah. Yeah, it's the best, and yeah. we get we get you get sort of better at it. I mean, it's <laughs> it's really cool. Each time I've been finding like almost the audience sort of disappears mm-hmm. when you really like uh, feel yeah. safe uh-huh. with a band. Like we've been playing music together since we were little kids. We have like a a very psychedelic or spiritual place or whatever, just a fucking safe place we go to where it's like. I can disappear everyone and these dudes are with me in yeah. this like weird place and it's just yeah. so awesome. It feels so good and it only gets to be a problem for the club manager. It's like three in the morning. He's going, dude, how do you get these guys to stop? I don't know. They, they don't even seem like they even hear me. I'm not, they disappeared. <laughs> Luckily, it takes us too long to write songs so we only have about a half hour set. <laughs> so they don't have to worry about that with us. And but we we're, cut but songs all the but time. we're working on that. <laughs> yes, exactly. But every time we get a new one, we cut an old one. So it's pretty much going to be half hour forever. But mm-hmm. we jam sometimes, man. It's cool. It's a jam thing. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Um, thank yeah, you guys yes, very much for doing this with us tonight. Thank you, Tim and John. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so yeah, much. No, no, wait to see these guys play. I, I really get off on watching them. They're, they're you, a great band. And what thank a treat. You. We have the new format. You guys are the second band we're doing this with. We're going to do an extended live performance, which we will also be videoing. My God, we also have the video going right now. There, there it is. Oh there my, it is. What? And there it is. Did I shave? Uh, yes, you did. <laughs> I did. I did. Okay. Yeah. So, oh, Brian, no, he, I didn't shave. So we're gonna uh, we're gonna do some uh, breaking down of some things, and sure, then yeah. we'll come back with you guys. You're gonna play four songs for us. Cool. And I just go ahead and mention that you both have been very helpful and supportive um, characters in our story, and it's mm-hmm. really nice Absolutely. to be here with Absolutely. you. And thanks so much yeah, for having it's us. Been a gas watching you guys play this story. It's <laughs> been a good one. It has. My relationship yeah. with you guys is. Uh, it was a part of uh, taking me to the place I'm at now, and I'm thankful for that yes. very much. Well, we love That's you so both cool. very yeah. much. Yeah, thank, thank you guys thanks so much so for much having us. for coming and doing this. Yeah. 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 The Phoenix yeah. has been kind of a focal point I think, for us. I think for Jamie, is your first show here? Is that what you said? Uh, I don't. It wasn't my first show here, but it was like okay. I, my dreams as like a young musician was like, well, if I can get to play the Phoenix, this is like a little totally. like nine-year-old yeah, Jamie. Absolutely. If I can get to play the Phoenix, then I've, <laughs> then I've done it. Like That was my goal. And like the, my first... First serious band, Half Empty, we got to play here, and we were with with local legends uh, Nikos Flaherty Laub and Ethan Jane. Yep. <laughs> I know the first time that I came here was watching the ho- Holy Mackerel. Oh, and that I'm was sure, I imagine yeah, you remember that less clip on the Holy. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, Brian, I, 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 I'm, you bet. Good. I, I didn't quite understand. I, I did see my first concert here as Primus. Cool, Primus. Yeah. Oh my God. Always a good one. And you got you mentioned uh, one of my all time favorite bands, Merv. Yeah, Holy cow. Merv was that the best show as well. Yeah. yeah, what a band. We took lots yeah. of psychedelics and saw Merv <laughs> oh, full yeah. circle I'm, again. And they would I'm play here totally all shocked. the time. Yeah, they were a great band. Yeah, yeah they're so I really like that band. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, anyway, yeah, thanks so much. Thank you guys so much. It, it means a lot that you came here. So, we'll uh, watch you guys play some music now. That's pretty Beautiful. good. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.